Welcome to Passion Life Church. Thanks for coming to church today. We're, I'm really excited to continue this amazing series called Overcomers. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And what we're doing in this series is we're learning how to be the overcomer that God has called us to be. Actually, to be the overcomer, let me say it this way, that God has said we already are. Say, I'm an overcomer. Come on, say it loud. I'm an overcomer. I love what 1 John 4, 4 says. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I love that. It says, greater is he who is in you, so God is in me. This is amazing. This always amazes me about the Christian religion, if you want to say it this way. The Christian religion is the only religion that the God that we actually worship lives inside the worshiper. The God that we worship actually loves us and pursues us and wants to spend time with us. But not only time, wants to spend eternity with us when we die. So we have a God who is in us. The Bible calls you an overcomer because of the one that is in you. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 37. He says, in all things we are more than conquerors. How? Through him. Everybody say, through him. Through him who loved us. And the truth is, Jesus has already won the victory. Let me say that. And I keep saying it. Because we are fighting not for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory. Jesus has already won. The devil is already defeated. Let me say this. The devil is not more powerful than God. God is more powerful than the devil. I love one of the songs that Hillsong wrote. It says, you have no rival, talking about God. The devil is not even a rival to God because God is so much more powerful. Come on, can we give him a good amen today? And so the truth is, you are victorious. Now here's the sad part. The sad part is there's a lot of Christians who aren't overcoming. I mean, think about this. They're not overcoming and so many people are being defeated by an already defeated enemy. You know, I, I just refuse to be defeated by somebody who's already defeated. I just refuse to do that. You know, I love the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. They are my favorite team. And we were doing pretty good last year. And, you know, they always have, and they print their schedule out and put it out online. And I always look, and then as they get to certain games, they play certain teams. And some teams are losing every single game. And I'm like, good. This Sunday, we're playing a losing team. They have lost every game. And guess what? We lost to a losing team. I mean, it's one thing to lose to the Patriots. I mean, come on. When Tom Brady shows up, everybody's like, okay, you lost to the Patriots. But when you lose to, like, the Raiders or somebody, you know what I'm saying? That's losing every game? Come on, somebody. You know, and if you're a Raiders fan, I love you, okay? I love you. You have a lot of faith in this room because you guys need to win at some point. So maybe this year you will because Antonio Brown is now with the Raiders, who was with the Steelers. And so maybe something will happen this year. But can you imagine losing to a losing team? And I think that's what happens with a lot of, of us as Christians as we're being defeated by an already defeated enemy. So here's what we got to do. We have to learn how to overcome, right? Because God has already given us the victory. But let me say this. Just because God has given us the victory, just because our enemy is defeated, doesn't mean he's going to not battle you for your peace. Doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to come and try to steal your joy. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to battle you because he wants to see if you know how to overcome. 
overcome. Have you found Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10? And that's really the goal of this series is to empower you to use what God has already given you. Say, I'm an overcomer. Come on, can you say it loud? I'm an overcomer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to review just a little bit. It says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, right? So we need to be strong in the Lord. Why? This is a supernatural battle. You cannot win spiritual battles in a natural realm. You have to have supernatural spirit, uh, supernatural strength. So God gives us his strength in the Lord. We be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Pastor Phil, how do I put on the whole armor of God? Well, you have the armor on when you understand it and you use it. And you know how it works. So we put it on. Verse 12. For we wrestle again, not against flesh and blood. So in other words, people are not our problem. But against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor. Again, he's going to say whole armor. Why? All of these pieces work together. All of the pieces you have to understand because they work together. You do not want to have holes in your armor because when you have holes in your armor, the enemy's going to know. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Where do we stand? We stand in the victory that Jesus has already won. And so the enemy is going to try to get you out of that, of standing in the victory. He wants to get you out of the place of peace, to get you out of the place of victory. Verse 14, again, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Everybody say truth. We talked about the belt of truth. This truth, the belt, right? As Paul is writing this, he's looking at a Roman soldier, and they had a big belt. The belt held everything together. If you don't believe in truth, then all of this other stuff doesn't matter. And the truth is Jesus. The Bible says, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so truth holds it all together. And it says, having uh, your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness we talked about. And then it says, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Speak to us, Lord, not only by your word, but by your spirit. Lord God. And today as we talk about peace, Lord, may we have a deep, Lord, sense that you are with us and that your peace can be the place that we stand in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, that wasn't everybody. Everybody said, I want to talk to you today about the position and the preparation of peace. You know, growing up, I grew up and my life's a little bit chaotic. I mean, we've moved all different places. I lived in New Jersey, but most of my life I've lived in El Paso, Texas, which is on the border of Ciudad Juarez, it's called. And so it's a Hispanic town. And, and we used to go to Mexico a lot because um, growing up, I mean, we just didn't have a lot of money. So we would, when we go out to eat, like, they want to go to McDonald's? My dad's like, no, let's go to Mexico. So we'd go to Mexico to eat because it was just more inexpensive. Like, hey, dad, can I go to Supercuts to get a haircut? No, let's go to Mexico. So like I got my haircut in Mexico. We went out to eat in Mexico. And here's the truth. Like when we went, all my friends had like Nike sneakers on like, dad, can we get a pair of, of Adidas? And well, let's go see if they sell them in Mexico. And so we'd go to, <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Which is fine. So we went over there and, and uh, all my friends were wearing, we'd go to this place called Tres Hermanos. 
Tres Hermanos, right? Tres Hermanos is a place that, that, that sold shoes. Now, they're cool shoes. I mean, I, we, we had them, and, and uh, all my friends had Adidas, Nike, and they're like, what's that? And we're like, Tres Hermanos, man. You don't know. If you're here and you do not know what Tres Hermanos means, it means three brothers, okay? So I'm like, you got Nike, I got three brothers that I'm wearing. And so I don't know if that means anything to you, but, but it's funny because when we would go over there, you know, I think as a little kid, you have this idea that when you get new shoes, especially new tennis shoes or, you know, uh, you know now there's all different names for them. But we'd call them tennis shoes. But when you'd put them on, I remember as a young boy, like in the fourth or fifth grade, we'd put on the new shoes at Tres Hermanos and I'd put this shoes on and then we would just start running around the place because we had this idea that new shoes made us run faster. Right, and so as a little kid, we're always excited. And but here's the thing, and, and it's the truth: your shoes matter, and 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 what you wear on your feet, it really matters. And this is what Paul is talking about as he's looking at this Roman soldier. He's talking about the armor of God, and uh, now he's talking about how important your shoes are. Now look at this diagram. Right, it says righteousness, which is your breastplate. It has the truth there, which is your belt, and then he talks about peace, the shoes, and and it's interesting because he's, he's talking about how important your shoes are. Now, Paul says, in order to overcome, I want you to listen to this, in order to overcome, you need to have the right shoes on because it's so important. And Paul says your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I want you to understand that Roman soldiers at this time, the, the shoes that they wore were more like cleats, like the athletes wore. Like a lot of uh, NFL players wear cleats. Soccer players may wear cleats because of the way that it stuck into the ground. And so they wore a cleat-like shoe, but it also had kind of like leather straps that bound to their ankles. And here, here's the methodology of what the Romans, and the Romans were incredible at battle. But here's the methodology about the cleat-type shoes. They thought it was more important to be stable in their standing than to run fast. They thought because the, the combat is going to be hand to hand. So it doesn't really matter how fast you can run. It matters how stable you are. Come on. And because if you're not stable in the battle, you won't fight right. You remember, I love the, 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 the first Karate Kid. Did you ever see the first Karate Kid, right? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> you love that? I, I did that with my son the other day because we were talking about, you know, what we're going to do this summer and all. He's like, Dad, I want to I learn karate. I was like, cool, let's go wash the truck. Let's go wash the truck. I don't want to learn. No, you're going to learn karate. Let's go wash. Come on. We did a little wax on, wax off. But there's a scene in that movie that I love. And Mr. Miyagi, he's always like, must learn balance, must learn balance, right? And so he does the, the flamingo or whatever that thing is called. And then he puts Danielson on a boat on like just the edge of the boat. And he's standing on the boat and he's doing all his karate because even though he's fighting with his fist, his feet are stable. And it's so important, Paul is saying, that the shoes that you wear are stable shoes. So he, what he does is he starts to compare shoes to feet. You know, when he says that your feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I like to look in the Greek language because in the Bible, the New Testament is written in Greek. And this word peace, listen to what it means in the Greek. It means this, security. Somebody say security. Security, safety. Safety. Say prosperity. So it means security. Safety, prosperity. Now listen to this. In this word, in the Greek word of peace, this is what it means. Security, safety, prosperity, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Watch this. 
because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. So in peace, if you have a godly peace, it will actually exempt you from the rage. How many of you know some battles have rage in them? Rage and havoc of war because fights can be very, very chaotic. Not only are you fighting an enemy, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I don't know. I remember playing football. I was a tight end uh, for Burgess Mustangs in El Paso, Texas in the 10th grade. There were some times where the, the tackling and everything was so chaotic, I got hurt by my friends hitting me because we were all in this, and, and the battle can be very chaotic. And so this word, this word peace means there's a safety even in the, in the battle. There's a security. Now, we need to know this, and I want to just start here before we kind of dive a little bit deeper. Because of this peace, we have peace, number one, we have peace with God. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, some people in the battles of their life, they battle this. Well, I just don't know if I have peace with God, if I'm in right standing with God. We talked about that last time. But can I just tell you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that should not be a second thought in your mind. You have peace with God. God is on your side. God is not fighting against you. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Come on, can I hear a good amen today? So I have peace with God because Jesus shed his blood on the cross. I'm forgiven. So I'm in right standing with God. Remember I told you that these pieces all work together, right? So I have righteousness as my breastplate because Jesus is my righteousness. But he's also my peace with God. I have peace with God not because of what I did. Listen to this. I have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Even though my obedience wasn't good enough, Jesus' obedience was perfect, right? Come on, somebody. And even though I made mistakes, right? And the first Adam made mistakes. The last Adam, who was Jesus, never made a mistake, right? But he became sin so I could become the righteousness of God. So now I can stand before God in total peace. Peace, man. Peace with God. Say, I have peace with God. Now, not only have peace with God, but Jesus said something so profound in John chapter 14, verse 27. Are you glad you came to church today? John 14, 27, this is what Jesus said. It was so profound. He said, peace. Come on, everybody say peace. peace. Can anybody use a little more peace in their life? Come on, let me see your hand. Can you? Peace, Jesus said, I, I, I leave you. Jesus said, peace, I leave you. Watch this, my peace. Who's talking here? Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So now we understand that Jesus gives us his very own peace. Can I just give you a little, uh, a little um, word of wisdom? You will never find Jesus's peace in the world. In the world things, you'll only find it in him. And a lot of times fear comes because we don't really realize the peace that he's given us. So here's what we need to know. You need to know right now, as a child of God, you have peace. You have peace. Why do we have peace? Because Jesus gave us his own peace and peace is a fruit of the spirit. So anybody want to know how important peace is and how it works in the battle? Because here's the thing. As an overcomer, you have to understand the importance of peace and how it's used in the battle. Can I hear a good amen? So a lot of people are looking for peace. Oh, I'm just, even Christians, I'm looking for peace. I'm looking. Can I just tell you, peace, you've already got it. 
But it's because we don't understand. I don't even think we know what we're looking for. Some of us are just looking for a feeling. Some of us are just looking for, I think peace is like mystical, right? I get peace when I rub essential oils all over my face. Oh, I feel so much peace and a burning sensation. My wife does that to me. And like, she says, hey, it works. I'm like, okay. Why is my back on fire? You know, <laughs> like, don't light a match. I'm gonna, but we have this idea, like, let's look for peace. Peace is ocean waves, right? The sound of the ocean. Hey, I love that. But when you're in a battle and you're not near an ocean, you got problems, right? Well, I'll just buy the CD and put it in my car. So I'm in, when I'm in traffic, I'm listening to the ocean. Yeah, you're that guy that's going 40 miles an hour in the 75 zone because you're listening to the ocean. And so we, sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. But here's the thing. As an overcomer, if you're going to overcome, you have to understand what this peace is. And I think half the battle is knowing that you already have it. It's already on the inside of you. It's a fruit of God's spirit. And Paul says your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now watch this. This word shod is not something that we usually use. This is why I like to break down these words because in the Greek, the word shod means this, to bind to oneself. In other words, watch this. When I put on my shoes, ladies, when you put on your shoes today, right, when you put on your shoes, shoes, you put them on, you slipped in. That's actually even what the word in the Greek means to put on the armor of God. It means to slip in. So now watch, these shoes are bound to my body. Why? Because I got into them. And as a Roman soldier, they had these leather straps. So the the leather would bound to their legs. So wherever I go, my shoes go. Why? Because where my shoes go, they are bound to me. Peace should be bound to you in your mind to know that no, wherever you go, no matter how chaotic it is, you have peace. And Paul is giving us this word picture, just like your shoes. When I walk over here, my shoes didn't stay over there. My shoes are bound to me. So wherever I go, my shoes go. Wherever you go, your peace goes. The peace goes. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Listen, you have peace. Come on. If you want some more peace, give the Lord a good round of applause today. Now, I want you to think about how important this is. Right? All of us in this room today thought about, maybe the girls a little bit more, what shoes you were going to wear to church today. For some of you, even as you thought about your shoes, you may have even changed your outfit because you didn't have the shoes to match the outfit, right? I'm always, I'm not a big shoe person as much as my wife is. Like I have maybe like three or four. Hers takes up a wall. Come on, somebody in the closet, right? Some of them still have a tag on them. But anyway, so we'll move forward. But ladies, you know this. You think about this. And not only, now here's, here's the challenge at my age, Okay. I'm 47, and so here's the thing, okay? I'm, I used to be able to wear stylish shoes, and it didn't matter how it affected my body, right? But now I have to, like, have padding in my shoes because if, if I don't have the right shoes on and I walk too much, my back hurts. Come on, somebody, because I don't have support. I need support. Come on, somebody say support. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We were in L.A. yesterday. We went to the Bethel Conference. They were at, at uh, the Microsoft Theater. And so we were going to do some walking. And we were looking for a place to eat. And my wife's like, my feet hurt. And I was like, did you not wear the right shoes? She's like, no, I wear this all the time. But I just didn't realize we were going to be walking so much. So we actually had to stop at a place by 
Band-Aids so she could put them on because she already had blisters. And I said, man, this is exactly what Paul is talking about. He's like, listen, you need to look at your shoes because if you don't have the right shoes on, and we think about this as we get ready. What am I going to do today? How long am I going to be standing? Am I going to the beach? I'll wear flip-flops, right? If I'm going to work, I'm going to be on my feet for eight hours a day. My shoes are so important. You know, I was talking to a guy. He actually trains people for the NFL. He trains athletes who want to run faster. And so they come to him to run faster and have a better performance. He trains some guys like Deion Jackson, uh, Des Bryant, Chris Conti, and they come to him and he makes them better athletes in terms of running. And I asked him, I said, hey, Gary, let me ask you this. How important are the shoes that these guys wear? And he said, he said this, he said, shoes are everything. It's actually the foundation. If the feet aren't in a healthy position, it will have a chain reaction effect on the body and upwards to the knees, to the hips, to the spine, and even to how the brain sends the signal. It can actually stop. Your brain can actually stop sending signals down to certain muscles if your alignment is off. Your shoes. Can I just say, that's how important peace is because it's your alignment. It's your stability. Phil, I'm in a battle right now. I'm worried, right? I have anxiety. And, and here's the thing. I, I just don't feel peace. Can I just tell you this? When a person is dominated by peace, they have an inner stability, even in unstable times. This is what a peace will do. It will give you stability, an inner stability, even if your whole world is unstable. Can I hear a good amen? And you may be, Pastor Phil, I have anxiety. Listen, I'm in a battle right now. I'm worried, right? You say, and I don't feel peace. Can I help you today? Peace is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You can feel peace. Listen, don't get me wrong. You can feel peace, right? But peace is not a feeling. And here's the reality. You already have peace. So here's what I want to do with the last remaining moments of my time. You already have peace. Here's the problem. You don't know how to connect with the peace you already have. Let me try this side. You have peace, but you don't know how to connect with the peace that you already have. Because you have it. And I hope that today... The belt of truth will give you some truth today that you're not lacking in any area. You have peace. You have peace tomorrow when you go to work. You have peace tomorrow around those people in the office that you don't like. You have peace even though your kids are acting like demons. Come on, you have peace. Come on, don't look at your friends. They may think you're, I'm talking about them. But here's the thing. We don't know how to access the peace that we have. And in the battle... Your peace is your stability. So let me just give you two things. Maybe this will help. Peace is not a feeling. Do you feel it? Can you feel it at times? But listen, God has made sure that we don't make feelings our God. I love feeling God. I have felt God so many times, and it's more than a goose pimple. I have felt his Holy Spirit. And, and, and I think as you grow up as a Christian, right, you start feeling, you, you feel God, it's great. But then you start to realize that there's times where you don't necessarily feel him. And I want to tell you why this is. It's not that he's not there, but he wants you to use your faith. He doesn't want you to grow in feelings. He wants you to grow in faith that it's not always how you feel. It's what you believe. Can I hear a good amen today? And so peace is not this feeling. But let me just give you two, two ways we can access peace. If you're going to access peace, we need to know. Here's number one. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Watch this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now I'm going to read a Christmas verse. 
Okay, so don't get mad at me. I know it's not Christmas, but this is in the Bible. This is actually in the Bible for our peace, not just for Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is given. Let me say it this way. For unto you peace is given. Right? For unto us, right, a son is given, peace is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Look at me. The government is not on your shoulders. It's on his well, it's because my family and I don't know. Hey, let it be on his shoulders, right? The government is not on your shoulders. Oh, I'm so stressed. The government is not on your shoulders. The government is on his shoulders. Watch, because his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Come on. Come on, yell it out. I love this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Make these scriptures yours. Write them down. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall talking about our peace with God. But for he is our peace. Micah chapter five, verse five says this. He will be the source of peace. See, so some people think, okay, when all the trouble is gone, when all the havoc is gone, when everything that is chaotic is gone and the trouble is removed, then I will have peace. No, you have peace now. Write this down. Take a screenshot of this. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God in your life because there will always be trouble. Can I hear a good amen? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he didn't just leave you there. Listen, he didn't just leave you there in the world with trouble. He actually left you in the world with his peace to combat the trouble. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's the reality. The trouble is not going to dictate my peace. I'm going to let my peace dictate in the trouble. And here's what we do. We look at trouble because we have the wrong perception, right? We have the wrong perspective. We look at our trouble and go, whoa, man, I got a lot of trouble. I must not have any peace. In actuality, it doesn't matter how big the trouble is, you have peace. And you have more because here's the reality. What is in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So don't let the trouble dictate your peace. Let your peace dictate your trouble. Come on, somebody. What happens in the battles, we start measuring the peace by the amount of trouble. And here's why the people don't access peace. I'm going to tell you why. Because they forget that Jesus is peace. And watch this. And they forget that Jesus is with you all the time. Here's the reality. We forget who's with us. This is why we don't access peace, right? We don't access peace because we don't think that Jesus, today, to be honest with you today, Jesus is right here, but Jesus doesn't stay here when you leave because this is church. Jesus goes with you wherever you go. In Isaiah, it says, when I walk through the waters, right, they will not overflow me. Why? Because you are with me. When I walk through the fire, you may be in a fire right now. And here's the thing. The Bible never says that we're not going to see the fire. We're not going to see the water. But he says, when I walk through the water, they will not overflow me. Why? Why are they not overflowing me? Because he, his presence is with me. And then he says, when I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. You know why? Because you are with me. And so wherever I go, just like my shoes, right? He goes with me. Are you glad you came to church today? And the truth is, the God that's with you is more powerful than the world against you. And I have peace because of the very presence of God. I love the story about Elijah. I don't know if you've ever read this. You should. 
It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. But Elijah's servant, uh, he wakes up one day and he looks outside and, and they're outside their tent and there's armies surrounding all of them. And the armies came to kill him. And he starts freaking out and he starts looking around. So he goes to get Elijah. And Elijah looks at the same army that his servants is looking at. And Elijah looks at his servant and he basically says this in 2 Kings 6, verse 16. It says, Elijah says, hey man, don't be afraid. Listen, the prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And then watch, listen to this. And Elijah prayed, he's praying this for his servant. He says, look, open up his eyes so that he may see. And then watch out what happened. The Lord opened his eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of chariots of fire, of angels that are all around them. And here's my prayer for you today, that God will open up your eyes to see who is with you, that God is with you no matter where you go, no matter who is against you, he's always with you. So it doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter. And the reality of it is if you know God is with you, you will always have peace because God is one bad mamma jamba. He's more powerful than Thanos. Come on, somebody. He's powerful. For those of you that don't know what Thanos is, I don't know what planet you're living on. No, it's, it's the villain in the Avengers. But you know what I looked when I started thinking about this? I looked at, and I was thinking about the people in Scripture who did some of the greatest miracles. And one of the key characteristics was they always knew that Jesus was with them. They always knew that God was with them. This is not for dramatic effect, I promise you. There's probably something going on with our, our lighting. So would you give them a good round of applause as they're figuring it out? Hey, I'll just move to my next point. Since we got to the dark, David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's good. Thank you guys for actually turning. This actually does help now. Because this is what some people's life looks like. And here's, here's the reality. Listen to what David said. Though I walk through the valleys. Some valleys are deep valleys, man. I don't know if you've ever been in the valley. But he says this. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And to be, now, yeah, let's keep it off just for a moment until I finish this point. Come on, let's try. Come on, keep it off just for a moment. Just, just fade out for a, a minute, Ernesto. Just fade him out. Oh, he turned him on. We're good. So just hit the fader and, and, and come down. Oh, it's still not working. Okay, we're good. All right, let's all close our eyes. No, I'm kidding. So here, that's all right. So just think about this for a minute. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, to be in somebody's shadow, parents, you know, when your kid is in your shadow, they are close to you. And David was saying that I am so, I feel death. I'm in the shadow of death. But this is what he says. I will fear no evil. You know why? What does he say? Because you are with me. Because you're with me. Because God being with me, I can walk through any valley I can take on death because my God has already defeated death. If there's any sickness that comes against me, guess what? My God is more powerful. Can I hear a good amen? Listen, David, remember David again? That he was 14, 15 years old when he went against Goliath. He went against Goliath and Goliath is mocking God and he goes out there and he goes, why is this God defiling the armies of Israel? And he, and he looks and he talks to his brothers and he says, you know what, I'm gonna take on, I'm gonna take on 
Goliath. And he tells, he tells the king, it's amazing what someone can do when you know God is with you. He says, look, I've already tackled a lion. I grabbed it by the beard, killed, killed a lion. You know why? Because God was with me. I don't know if you know this, but God is bigger than lions. And he says, you know what I've done? I've already killed a bear. I've killed a lion and a bear. He had a lion and a bear's head on his wall. Come on, somebody. At 14 or 15. I know you got a picture of the Avengers on your wall. He had a lion and a bear that he killed. And he says, this giant will be exactly like those. Why? The giant's bigger, but because God is bigger. And he walks out on the battlefield. He walks out on the battlefield. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, watch this. So he's walking towards the Philistine, this giant. Do you know that the Philistine, the giant Goliath, his armor probably weighed more, his shield. Goliath's shield probably weighed more than David's whole body. The Bible says that the javelin that the Goliath had, somebody else had to carry it. It was just so, so big. And here's this 14, 15-year-old kid, and he goes to Goliath. Look what he says. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me and with sword and with spear and with a javelin? Watch this. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I know who is with me, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled this day. Everybody say this day. This day you will deliver into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. So watch this. The armies of Israel are looking at Goliath and going, wow, Goliath is big. And then they look at themselves and go, wow, we are small. Wow, Goliath is big. We are small. But see, peace has a different perspective. And peace has a different perspective because here's what David did. David looked at Goliath and didn't look at himself, he looked at Goliath, and then he looked at the size of God. And then he looked at Goliath, and he looked at the size of God, and he says, wow, God is big, Goliath is small. Wow, God is big, Goliath is small. God is big, Goliath is small. God is big, cancer is small. God is big, diabetes is small. Come on, somebody. God is bigger than anything that we face. And he goes over there one shot. Boom, right in the head. Goes over there and cuts his head off, gets his head, and he's like, shows everybody how to get ahead that day. 14, 15-year-old kid who knew God was with him and in the middle of the battle is totally stable. My church family, you ready? I'm gonna say something maybe make you a little bit mad, but maybe make you a little bit mad enough to fight. David and all of these guys lived in the Old Testament. And you and I have more than they have available to them. And why are more of us losing the battle when these guys, we have the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. We should be triumphant and overcome. Well, it's because they told me that I'm, I have a diagnosis. That's it. You're over. Going to heaven. Well, it's, you know, they said it's the C word. It's, it's cancer. If that's going to be the biggest name that you know, you're not going to overcome. If you're going to let cancer steal your peace, can I just tell you? Then you're saying that cancer is bigger than God. Because here's the reality. Peace is a person. You know who it is that in Christians, when I hear, well, I just don't have peace. Here's what you're saying. You're saying that God has left you. Let's be honest. 
When you say you don't have peace, and can I just tell you Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The problem is you lost perspective that the one who is with you is greater than the one that is against you. And God never leaves you. Peace never leaves you, but you have to access peace. Can I hear a good amen today? One last point. Number two, we access peace. And I wanna show you how prayer accesses peace. Prayer accesses peace. Philippians chapter four, verse six says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, everything by prayer. Look, it says anxious for nothing, but in everything. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know my church family? that so many people today, so many people are anxious. And you know, according to the Anxiety and Depression um, Association of America, anxiety disorders affect 40 million, listen to this, adults in the US, 40 million adults in the US, anxiety, worry, that's about 18% of the population. You may be here and you may be worried today, but here's the reality. Paul tells us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing but in everything, pray. So here it is. My position is peace because I stand in the victory that God has already won and Jesus is with me. So wherever I go, but watch this. I wanna talk to you just in these last moments about the preparation. You know, Paul says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? Because the gospel means good news. It is the gospel of peace. It gives us peace with God. But he said something in there, the preparation. And I want to close with this. You know, growing up, I thought I had to pray just because I had to pray. People are like, you got to pray. You got to pray. You're not a Christian if you don't pray. Listen, prayer is not a religious duty, although I am very religious about it. I have decided that every single day I am spending time in prayer. I'm going to tell you why. Okay, here's the thing. Let me ask you, how are you praying? This is most people's prayer life. Oh God, help me. Oh God, oh God, help me. Oh Jesus, I need you today. Oh, help me God. Oh, hey, listen, that's okay. But if that's the only prayer that you're praying, listen, you're not learning how to pray. You're only just, do you love when your kids just come to you for, your, for, for what they need? Oh, dad, I need this. Oh, dad, here's what I started doing. Every time my son asked me for something, I said, hey, son, come over here. Come give your dad a kiss. Come give me a hug because I want more than just to meet your needs. I want you. I want your heart. I want you. I want relationship with you. And let me just say this. Here's what happens. When we start to pray and learn how to pray, you are literally preparing for the battle. You know, I've talked to a lot of military guys, and I'll ask them, hey, man, how was your week? What would you do? They said, oh, just in the field today, running drills. We're just running drills. That's all we're doing, running drills. Like, yeah, I haven't been home for a week. You mean when you run drills, you have to stay out in the field? We're out in the field. We're running drills. We are preparing for the battle. And here's the reality, right? When you start to pray every day and a battle comes, it doesn't bother you as much because you're already prepared in peace. Why? Because you're accessing peace every single day. You are accessing the presence of God. This is why people who don't pray and a battle comes, a fight comes, they're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. I don't, yeah, you haven't been accessing peace. You haven't been practicing in your prayer life. So now I'm at a stage, come what may, it doesn't matter. My peace, I have peace. I access, listen, I access peace even when I don't need it. 
But if you don't know how to access it even on a daily basis, because you're always coming to God, oh, I need this, oh, I need that. If that's the extent of your prayer life, you're not going to understand how peace really works in your life, right? That's why he says, look, watch this. He gives us a little pattern. He says this, come to me. The antidote for, for worry and anxiety is prayer. Why? Because prayer accesses peace, right? I'm not going to talk a lot about this or another step that I want to talk about. I'll talk about this later because there's a couple more. But here's the reality. When you start to look at God, he says this. He says, come to God, but make your request known and in thanksgiving, he talks about. He says, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Here's what thanksgiving does. When you start to thank God every day for what he's done, Lord, I thank you that today I got out of bed. Lord, I thank you that I made it to work safe. Lord, I thank you that I made it home safe. Lord, I thank you that today you supply all of my needs. Here's what you're doing. Watch this. You're doing what David did. You're stopping and you're looking at the size of God. You're saying, wow, God, you've done this. Wow, God, you've supplied my needs. Here's what you're doing. You're magnifying God, not magnifying the problem. And if you can get in the habit of magnifying God, no matter what comes your way, you're going to magnify God instead of magnifying even the fight or the problem. So every day, right, I want to be in the presence of God, right? Accessing it, thanking him. I have found sometimes when I don't know what to say, I just start thanking God for, I thank God for a good day. I thank you, God, that my family's safe. I thank you, God, that my, my, my son is healthy. I thank you that you are working in our life because that starts to build me up and remind me of the victories that God has already done. And here's the reality. Preparation means this. In the Greek, it means preparation. It means a readiness. So now you may not be in a battle. And here's the reality. Some people, oh, everything's good. I don't need to pray. Yeah, you do. Because I will tell you this. Let me encourage you. Another battle is coming. And you can't turn on CNN or Fox News and find out when a spiritual storm is coming. They just come. Can I hear a good amen? And so you need to be prepared, ready every day. So now I'm in that prayer time. So now when things come, it's not a big deal. It's not, I just keep praying. I just keep doing what I've already done. And you know what? The storm, the fight doesn't affect me like it used to. You know why? Because I am prepared. Praying every day is helping you to walk in the peace every day. It's like, have you ever had those people who like, oh, my feet hurt today because I wore a new pair of shoes I haven't worn anymore? Well, that's kind of what happens when you're not praying and there's a battle. You need to pray every day. It's helping you walk in peace every day. Even when things are calm, I'm still accessing peace because I know peace. Even if there's a battle going on, now that I've been walking in peace, nothing else shakes you. You know why? Because you're prepared, you're ready, and you're stable no matter what comes against you. Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.